0: Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do come out through the Packers. And we don't cover anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back. Two dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday, September 20th, and today we're going to be previewing the Packers-Saints matchup, the home opener at Lambeau Field for the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love's first start at Lambeau Field, so that's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to talk all about that today. First, we're going to talk about the injury report, which was released on Wednesday. So we'll jump into that, discuss some injuries, and then we'll get right into the game. So the injury report for the Packers on Wednesday, they had a practice. The New Orleans Saints just had a walkthrough. The Packers had a real practice. So everything we're going to read off from the Saints injury report is more of an estimate from the Packers on the injury report. David Bakhtiari did not participate on Wednesday with a knee slash vet arrest designation, Rashawn Gary, limited with a knee. Elton Jenkins did not participate with his knee injury. Aaron Jones did not participate with his hamstring. Lucas Van Ness, limited with an elbow. Christian Watson, limited with a hamstring. And then Dan Whelan, a full participant with a finger injury. On the Saints side, Taysom Hill was limited with a knee injury. Condray or Kendre Miller, full participant with a hamstring injury. Foster Moreau, their tight end Did not participate with an ankle injury. And then Jamal Williams did not participate with a hamstring injury. On the Saints side, not too much to talk about. Taysom Hill, he's obviously basically a Swiss Army knife piece for them. He was limited, so he'll probably be playing on Sunday. Foster Moreau did not participate with an ankle injury. He's not a massive part of anything they're doing. And then Jamal Williams... Probably they're starting running back at this point with Alvin Kamara suspended. He did not participate. Doesn't seem like he's going to be playing on Sunday based on all the reports around sort of his hamstring injury. So that is generally good news for the Packers. Uh, I mean, you hate that Jamal Williams is injured. Jamal Williams, a fan favorite when he was with Green Bay, but I'm not really sure I can emotionally handle him driving another stake through my heart. He did it last year in week 18, basically ripping the Packers playoff hopes away from me can't deal with him doing that this Sunday, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be doing that this Sunday. On the Packers' side, first of all, David Bakhtiari. I'm probably going to keep saying this every single week. Every single time the injury report comes out, and on Wednesday, David Bakhtiari is designated as a did-not-participate guy with a knee injury-slash-vet-rest designation. And at some point, I should probably stop talking. I probably won't, though, but I'm going to say it again. His practice habits mean nothing. I expect him when the, you know, when Friday comes and they put out a game status, he's going to be questionable. And on Sunday morning, maybe Saturday night, depending on, you know, how the reports get around, we're going to hear something that says David Bakhtiari is active or David Bakhtiari is inactive or David Bakhtiari is expected to be active or he's expected to be inactive. But until then, I'm not saying anything. His practice habits mean nothing to me. That being said, on back, there is a little bit of interesting news. He talked to the media today, and this is the first time we've heard from Bakhtiari since, I mean, I'm not sure since when, but definitely since he didn't play against Atlanta. And there was a huge amount of speculation going around on the internet. People were saying, you know, was David not playing because because he was protesting turf, which he has been very vocal and outspoken about, the fact that the NFL makes their players play on these turf surfaces. He talked to the media today, and he said the turf was not the reason that he didn't play. He said, basically, there's no way that he would ever not play just because of the turf, and just to protest the turf, he said, if he were to do that, if he were to protest the turf, or if he were to do something to really take action, it would come in a much stronger way, whatever that happens to be, but he said he was not going to leave his teammates, go out, and hang out to dry. After all he's done to get back, he said he's talked to Goody, he's been able to vent to Goody, he's been able to release his anger about what the knee has brought him to at this point, in terms of his status every single game, but he said that if he can play, he's going to be out there, and last Sunday was simply an instance of his knee really just couldn't go, so he wasn't out there. Sort of clears things up with David Bakhtiari, I understand there's frustration around it, I mean... This dude signed a massive contract and hasn't been healthy since, played maybe, I want to say 30% of the game since he signed that contract, something like that, maybe maybe less, maybe 25-20. The point is, despite all that, it's really not David Bakhtiari's fault. And so I can understand frustration. David Bakhtiari himself is frustrated with sort of what this knee has come to at this point. There's no question the Packers have to develop someone at left tackle. You thought it might be Zach Tom. It looks like he's doing superbly at left tackle, uh, sorry, at right tackle. So maybe not going to be the future left tackle. Well, we can talk about the offensive line and all that. The point is, David's frustrated. I understand everyone is frustrated. Everyone probably should be frustrated, but the anger should not be directed at David because it's not on David moving on another offensive lineman Elton Jenkins the Packers did not put Elton on IR and reporters during Matt's presser today they asked Matt whether them not putting Elton on IR indicated that they think Elton can be back faster than the four-week period that the IR sort of automatically has a player out for right when you put a player on IR you know let's say they get put on it in week two they can't come back until after week 6. So, the fact that Elton wasn't put on, Matt said, "Yeah, it is an indication that they think he can be faster than that 4-week period." And that's a good sign. That means that not only is Elton's MCL sprain not season ending, but it seems like he could be back by week 5 or week 6, which is awesome news. On Aaron Jones, he didn't practice. Matt said, "You know, he's he's doing fine. He's coming along, but it's day-to-day with him." Aaron Jones is not on on IR, so that's a good sign. Means he should be back in. He wasn't placed on IR last week either, so maybe you hope hope that he'll be back at the latest in three weeks. If I had to guess right now, I'd say he's back next week for Green Bay's Thursday night football game against Detroit, eight days from now. But it could be the week after. There's even an outside chance he plays this week. We'll just have to sort of see what happens. That's sort of the negative injury news. The positive injury news. Christian Watson, back, limited participant on Wednesday after practicing in a limited capacity on Friday. Last week, he was held out against Atlanta but did practice on Friday. You have to imagine that with him practicing on Friday and then again today, he's on track to play this week. He's going to be such a massive, massive boost for this offense, and I mean, most of all, I can't wait to... Just watch Christian Watson get out there and play football. And then Lucas Van Ness back at practice turned out just to be an elbow bruise for him. So awesome to see him back. Other sort of news before we jump into the game. uh, The Packers, they announced sort of a ticket update. So if you're ever going or planning to go to a game at Lambeau this year, basically what the Packers have sort of upgraded or updated their partnership with Ticketmaster. So now you get these tickets from Ticketmaster, you get them through the Packers website. You have to go on the Packers app and sort everything out with your tickets through the Packers app. You can also put your tickets in Apple wallet, but those seemingly are the two main options. Go find Rob Domofsky's DeMof- Rob sort of Twitter um, post. He put out a whole whole thing on that, but Thought I'd mention that. That's important if you plan on going to a Packers game at all this year. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Jordan Love. And I wasn't originally planning on talking too much about Love because he, he wasn't going to fit too much into what I wanted to talk about in this game, though obviously he's a, a big piece of every single game the Packers play. But I just want to wax poetic about Jordan Love for, for half a second year because I listened to Packers Transplants with Corey Bankey and Aaron Nagler, co-founders of Cheesehead TV, one of the best Packers media companies. And Corey made a tremendous point, probably the most relevant point that you can make about Jordan Love. And I mean, first of all, the first thing he said, and 100% agree with this, is how can you look at everything that Jordan Love has done, everything that Aaron Rodgers did, and then even beyond that, everything that Patrick Mahomes has done, hell, even everything Tom Brady did, right? How can you look at that and not think, why aren't more teams jumping on sitting their rookie quarterbacks. And it doesn't even have to be three years. I mean, sure, Love sat for three years. Rogers did two. Mahomes only sat for one. Brady sat for one and a half. But the point is, this this strategy of sitting the rookie quarterbacks seems to have worked super well. So that's one interesting thing. You know, more teams probably should be jumping on that. If I had to answer my own question, why aren't more teams jumping on that? Probably comes down to revenue. Owners and the Packers don't have an owner, but every single other team has an owner. Owners don't tend to be too happy with your team drafting a quarterback in the first round, and then you not getting any revenue from him because you're starting some bummy, you know, 20th best quarterback in the league that year. So that's why most teams don't like sitting in the quarterbacks. But the real point that Corey made, and this is the main thing I want to get to, he basically said, yes, Green Bay We know they have problems as a team. But for something like the 32nd year in a row at this point, taking out, you know, injured seasons where Aaron Rodgers hurt his knee or something like 2017, hurt his collarbone, taking out those seasons for something like the 32nd year in a row, none of those team problems involve the quarterback. And it's week three. We've seen two Jordan Love starts. We've, I mean, this year we've seen two. We've seen him play in something like seven games overall in his career. He started in only three of those, obviously the two this year and then the one in Kansas City. But it's looking like Green Bay's team problems won't involve a quarterback for another 10 plus years. That's going to bring the total to over 40. That's almost half a century where the Packers, yeah, they've had issues as a team, but those issues were not at all quarterback related. And that is, Absolutely astounding. It's incredible. And it is, yeah, it's just something to marvel at because for almost half a century, if Jordan Love pans out, there's definitely still an if there, but it's looking really good. The Packers, all of the Packers team's problems won't involve the quarterback spot. And that's crazy because when you look at all the teams around the NFL, so many of them, I mean, including the Chicago Bears, who's franchise and basically season is imploding at this point when you look at so many teams around the league their biggest problem is quarterback and the Packers seem to have that figured out and seem to you know be coming up on a long long time of continuing to have that figured out so that's the one thing I wanted to say about Jordan Love moving on to the Packers Saints game sort of looking at this game from a from a top-down point of view It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be an interesting test, and I think you're going to hear me saying this a lot, a lot this season because this is a young football team, and that means that a lot of the teams they play, the Packers aren't necessarily going to be clearly better or clearly worse than. And so every single game you're going to go into, you're going to be saying, hmm, how do the Packers perform in this one? Unlike in previous years, for example, in 2020, when the Packers played the Jaguars in week nine, no one went into that game thinking, hmm, this is going to be an interesting test because everyone thought the Packers should beat up on the Jaguars, and they actually didn't. That was interesting about that game. The Packers almost lost that game. But the point is, a lot of games this year, pretty much every game this year, is going to be considered an interesting test. And the Saints, another example of that, Their defense is going to provide a massive test for Jordan Love because Dennis Allen, who was an excellent defensive coordinator under Sean Payton, he's now the head coach of the Saints. He has still been able to construct a strong defense. And that's something I think is super important that head coaches can do because you're hired generally as a head coach because of the success you had as a coordinator, as a defense or defensive or offensive coordinator, rarely as a special teams coordinator, but sometimes Then, once you become head coach, you have so many more responsibilities, but the ability to take what you did well as a defensive or offensive coordinator and bring that over and apply that to your team is, is, I would say, invaluable and the fact that Dennis Allen did it is very impressive, and so now when you look at the Saints defense, they're decent in terms of stopping the run, but they have a top pass defense in the NFL, and going back 10 games now from the start of this year and the end of last year, they have kept opponents under 20 points. I mean, that's incredible, and yeah, they have the top tier guys. They're You know, their secondaries headlined by a Pro Bowl level cornerback and Marshawn Lattimore, safety Honey Badger Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, super good safety for them. He was suspended today after violating the substance abuse policy, so he'll be out. But in general, that defense is headlined by star-studded names and then has plenty of depth the Saints are a really, really good defense. So that's going to be an interesting test for Jordan Love. The offense, it struggled a bit more, but they brought in Derek Carr. Maybe they're going to start meshing. They have struggled to start the year. And so real realistically, as a Packers fan, you just kind of want Joe Barry to keep them struggling. And we, look, we, we don't need Joe Barry holding them to nine points, but we don't want Joe Barry giving up 40 to a Saints offense that has struggled quite 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 a bit and with that said we'll move on to offensive notes and the first note I have is about the offensive line and let's talk about it let's talk about the offensive line the first thing that I want to talk about along the offensive line is this idea of pass blocking versus run blocking because because those are two very different things and plenty of offensive linemen are Good at run blocking and not so good at pa- pass blocking, and, and vice versa. And Green Bay's offensive line is widely considered one of the best in the league. From a pass blocking standpoint, metrics more than bear that out. But in run blocking, they're nowhere near as successful. Now, I, they're not going to. I'm not going to go as far as to say they're bad in terms of run blocking. They were fine in week one, but they did struggle a little bit against Atlanta last week. They're probably right around average uh, when you relate it to the entire league. And that's interesting because for a team that you would hope likes running the ball, the run blocking isn't great. Is it a coincidence that their pass blocking is sort of through the roof? their run blocking isn't it's not really. The Packers, they emphasize offensive linemen that can succeed in pass protection because they take tackles in college like Sean Ryan and then convert them into guard. And in general, when they're taking offensive linemen, they like to emph- emphasize athleticism over brute force maulers. You look at Zach Tom, he's a phenomenal example. He has done a tremendous job this year in pass protection, surrendered, I think, one pressure, according to PFF, but he's not a big. Guy, he is very much another example of the Packers emphasizing athleticism over big, massive guys. They took Zach Tom, guy with excellent technique, but he doesn't just go out there and maul people. Now, I'm not criticizing Green Bay's strategy because, well, first of all, it has worked. Three of Green Bay's offensive linemen at this point, they're pretty clearly better in pass protection than run blocking. Zach Tom, I've just talked about him. He's one of the best pass-protecting right tackles through two weeks. He's not bad in run blocking, but he's nothing good. He's definitely better in pass protection. John Runyon Jr., he's very much a pass protecting guard. Again, he's not bad in in run in terms of run blocking, but he's no Quentin Nelson out there. And then Josh Myers, despite his flaws, and there are plenty of them, especially from a run blocking standpoint, he's probably a top 10 center in terms of pass protection. Yeah, he has a lot of ups and downs when when run blocking, but his pass protection's Pretty much all there. And so it's really only David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, the two all pros or near all pros on the line. Those are really the only two guys that are both elite in terms of pass protection and run blocking. And I said I'm not going to criticize Green Bay strategy, not only because it's worked like that, but also because in general, this way of building your line is probably preferred in today's NFL. First of all, the league's built on passing. What does that mean? It means to win, you got to pass the football. If you have to pass the football, you got to drop back to pass more, which means your offensive line has to be successful in terms of pass protection. So drafting a line specifically to pass protect, not a bad strategy, because you're going to pass more than you're going to run in general, if you're going to have success in that league. And that's exactly what the have, what the Packers have, right? They have a line that is better at protecting against the pass. So that's great. And then additionally, not only is the league built on passing, but it's easier to find ways to scheme up success in the run games. If you take a look at San Francisco's line, their run game, which is really excellent, is not a function of the line being just brute force maulers. It's a lot of Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey, their running back, being really, really, really great. And so, yeah... You know, you like to have guys that are good at blocking the run. It's certainly helpful, but with Matt LaFleur, I'm very high on his ability to draw up different run schemes. It is okay if you don't have the best guys when it comes to run blocking. And then lastly, it's not like Green Bay has no run blocking talent. I just talked about it. That left side of their line, Bach and Elton, is still really awesome against the run, or not against the run, when run blocking. And on the right side you know, it's not as good, but you can just emphasize running towards that left side a little bit. But here's where the issue comes in. Elton, he's probably out for four, three, four, five weeks at this point. Bakhtiari, he's questionable every week. And that means that this left side of the offensive line, which is really a strength in every sense of the word, no longer necessarily becomes that strength. Because... I think that at this point, we'll see, you know, if the Packers are true to their word of we want to get the best five offensive linemen out there, you'll probably see Zach Tom at left guard, which means then at left tackle and right tackle, you're going to need some combination of Rashid Walker, Josh Nyman, and David Bakhtiari. If the Packers more so care about having stability along the line, in other words, not moving people around willy-nilly, you'll probably see Myers, Runyon, and Tom as your right side of that line. And then on the left side, it's going to be some combination of, or no, one of, Rashid Walker, Josh Nyman, and David Bakhtiari at left tackle, and then Royce Newman or Sean Ryan at left guard. And that means that sort of regardless of whatever way you phrase that, the left side becomes weaker. And especially because of Elton's absence, but then if Bakhtiari's absent too, becomes a lot weaker. And I'm very high on Rashid Walker. I, I'd like to see Rashawn Ryan. Yash is fine. Don't make me talk about Ruth Newman too much. But those guys, not only are they nowhere near Bakker, Elton, as general offensive linemen, they certainly can't run block as well. They're better pass, pass blockers than run blockers, but they really can't run block. And so while I don't necessarily expect pass protection to fall off too much as Elton is out and sometimes both Bach and Elton are out, run blocking is going to be that test and a half because your previously weaker run blocking side, that side of Tom and Runyon, Tom at right tackle, Runyon at right guard, that now becomes the strong side, which means you're going to want to run behind that side more. And that was the side you wanted to shy away from running towards when Bach and Elton were on the left side of your lot. So that's not great at all. And as we move on to the game against the Saints, we can look at what the Packers did last week. And a lot of what they did last week was have success through the passing game. There was not a lot of success through the running game. Now, how did they have success through the passing game? A lot, a lot, a lot of play action. I talked about it in my recap episode from the gun under center. Didn't really matter. The Packers ran a lot of play action. The way they did that, the way it was so successful, was the fact that the Falcons still had to somewhat respect the run. Now, the Packers weren't running the ball super effectively, but they were running the ball, and they were giving A.J. Dillon carries. And for the Packers to have success against a very good New Orleans Saints secondary, they're going to need to run that play-action stuff, most likely again, which means they're going to need to have the Saints respecting the run. And that means that their running attack has to be competent now if Aaron Jones is playing well automatically by having Aaron Jones in there the running game probably becomes competent but if AJ Dillon is there the run blocking is really what's going to need to be competent in New Orleans they're not a phenomenal run defense they've ranked middle of the pack through two weeks but Green Bay is going to need to rely on whichever guys are in there having a decent day from a run blocking standpoint. We need Royce or Ryan, whoever's at left guard, maybe Zach Tom. We need those guys to look good. We need whoever's at tackle, Bakhtiari, Rashid Walker, Josh Nyman. We need those guys to stand up, make nice plays. It doesn't have to be anything super flashy, but it has to be enough so that Green Bay can have their run game respected and can then run their play action off of that. So that's my first offensive note. My second is about the young wide receivers. And Green Bay, I talked about it, they could not run the ball well last week at all. So, they had to throw the ball. And it wasn't anything super super extreme. There wasn't it wasn't like they were throwing the ball 90% of the time running at 10%. There was a, you know, decent balance there, but they threw it plenty and they had a ridiculous amount of success to the point where at this point, they're one of the top offenses in terms of drop back EPA. Now, why are they having that kind of success? Well, for one, LaFleur is in his bag, like in his bag. If you go back to 2020, the COVID season, coming off of LaFleur's first year, you weren't really sure what to expect from the Packers. The Packers had had a year where they'd really overperformed, um, not just expectations, but overperformed even what stats suggested should be their record. They went 13-3 and when they should have been probably more like an 11, 10-win team. And then we came into 2020, and LaFleur and Rogers were like, yeah, we're going to take this league by storm. LaFleur, and I mean, Rogers, talked about it on the Pat McAfee show plenty throughout that year. He talked about how he and LaFleur, they got together in that offseason. They said, look at this play. Does it work? Does it not work? Let's scrap it if it doesn't work, and otherwise we're keeping it, we're making it better. And that's what really... Turned the Packers offense from middle of the road in 2019 to this juggernaut in 2020. The best offense in the league, set efficiency records. Well, that innovation that we experienced going from 19 to 20, I'm feeling a similar thing here. And it's incredible what kind of things Lafleur is dialing up. If you go watch the QB school, JTO Sullivan does an excellent job breaking down really every quarterback, and he had a bunch of nice things to say about Jordan Love because Jordan Love's playing really well, but on something like, you know, 30, 40, 50% of the plays, he's saying, man, this is just really great play design. And it is. LaFleur is sneaking Luke Musgrave into the flat, wide ass open. This is a rookie tight end, a guy that was taken in the second round. He's getting butt naked wide open. On third and one, just bunch formation, sneak Musgrave into the flat. Jordan hits him. Musgrave turns upfield, field. Easy 20-yard gain. That's 100% Matt LaFleur. The first play of the game against Atlanta, Matt LaFleur, flea flicker, goes out, sets the tone, the flea flicker, the little toss or handoff to A.J. Dillon, that gets the safety down, so the safety has to respect the run there, Dillon pitches it back to Love, at that point the safety's out of the picture, all that's left for Wicks to do is beat his guy, he does, and Jordan makes a good throw, should have been a touchdown now, Wicks was tackled, so they got a P.I. call, but This is just an example or that's two examples of how Matt LaFleur is calling plays and totally setting the offense up for success and getting guys into positions to make plays. The second Jaden Reed touchdown, another example that just comes to mind, Matt designs that play with Jaden Reed. First, Jaden Reed fakes a block on his guy. So it's a play action pass. Jordan is going to do a play action pass. So he's going to do a play action fake. Jaden Reed fakes blocking the cornerback who's matched up against him so that Jordan Love's play-action fake sort of draws the cornerback up. The cornerback tries to get past Jaden Reed, tries to go up, get closer to the ball, get closer to the handoff that he thinks coming. Lo and behold, handoff doesn't come because it's a play-action fake. By the time the cornerback realizes that it's a fake, Jaden Reed is three yards away, wide-ass open. Guess what? Easy touchdown. Walk-in. So Matt, yeah, he's helping. He's helping a lot with wide receivers getting open, with easy reads for Jordan Love. But that being said, the young receivers have also played a major part in the success of the passing offense. And as we go all the way down to the fourth wide receiver at this point, they've got guys doing superbly impressive things. Now, Christian Watson, he's that wide receiver one. He hasn't played, but we know what he's capable of. Hint literally everything. Dobbs, he's your supreme number two. An excellent compliment to Watson, really almost creating a 1A, 1B dynamic. And I think as the year progresses, we're going to see that bear out. Jaden Reed. He's been excellent. He's he's almost your extra playmaker at this point. And the, the funniest thing is that if you put Jaden Reed on, you know, 2020, 2021 Packers team, he would be that playmaker. And I mean, Devontae, I guess, is that number one playmaker. So Jaden Reed wouldn't be the a number one playmaker, but he would be that guy who you want who everyone's like, look at this guy. This is our dynamic player at wide receiver. Guess what? Now that's Christian Watson. And Jaden Reed's almost just like an extra piece icing on the cake. And he's shown a lot of promise in the route running aspect. But then that ability to take a quick pop pass against Atlanta and just take it around the edge for a touchdown, that was special type speed from Jaden Reed. The guys on the Packers who could do that, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and maybe, maybe Aaron Jones, that was a super tough play in Jaden Reed. He's making those easy plays and he's making those hard plays look easy. He's just making everything look easy and smooth right now. Super impressive stuff from Jaden Reed. And then Dontavion Wicks, that, he's going to be that fourth wide receiver when Christian Watson comes back on Sunday, speaking it into existence. Dontavion Wicks was burning A.J. Terrell against Atlanta. A.J. Terrell, he's an all-pro level cornerback. Guess what? Dontavion Wicks got open against him multiple times. It wasn't like leave AJ Terrell in the dust type of stuff but I mean that's pretty hard to do he's an all-pro cornerback but Dontavion Wicks was open enough that he was getting the ball thrown to him the first play of the game I talked about it that was Dontavion Wicks and the safety yeah it was he was drawn out of the play but Wicks still had to beat AJ Terrell guess what he did on, uh, on a second play, he almost had a touchdown where Dontavion Wicks ran sort of a corner. It was kind of a corner slash fade. Couldn't quite tell what it was. Terrell with very good coverage, but Wicks still had, you know, half a step. Jordan dropped the pass right in the bucket. Might have been PI. Terrell kind of hooked his arm. Either way went off uh, Wicks's one hand. But the point is Wicks is making these plays against an all-pro cornerback. Now, guess what? Against an extremely good Saints secondary, going up against another excellent cover corner in Marshawn Lattimore, we're going to need more of the same. And that's why my note is, young wide receivers, you got to step up. you got to step up again, because the Packers, likely, they're not going to have a lot of rushing success. So they're going to need to pass the ball. Matt can help. He helped them last week. He helped against the Bears in week one but there's some times where your guys have to win, and that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at looking at the receivers who are going to get a majority of snaps. Christian Watson, I mean, we'll talk about him later. Spoiler alert, he's going to be my player to watch. The gist with him, he's a wide receiver one. I expect him to make plays and get open like a wide receiver one, even when he's matched up against uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who I expect him to draw. Romeo Dobbs. He is another guy that... I think we'll draw some Marshawn Lattimore matchups, especially if Watson is out, knock on wood. And Romeo Dobbs is going to need to win too. Like against the Bears, if it's third down, we need Dobbs getting separation on the slant and picking up the first down. He does so many things well. Let's see him bring some more of that. Be that 1B guy to Christian Watson. Jaden Reed, guess what? We need you to pick up where you left off against Atlanta. I mean, first of all, Matt's going to get you the ball. Let's get, I mean, honestly, let's get Jaden Reed the ball more because he keeps making plays. But then in those clutch situations, Jaden Reed's going to need to get open too. He's probably not going to be drawing New Orleans top cornerbacks. He's not going to be drawing Marshawn Lattimore because Lattimore is going to be matched up on the outside against Watson or Dobbs. So Reed can be a very useful target over the middle of the field, along with Luke Musgrave, who, yeah, he's not a wide receiver, but let's see Musgrave get a little bit more targets. And then lastly, Dontavian Wicks, super, super, super impressive game last week was the clear number three, would be the number four this week if Watson plays. So when he's on the field, keep winning, keep making plays, and keep flashing those super impressive things that he showed. So that's sort of what I have on the offensive side of the ball. I trust the offensive line in pass pro, but run blocking is going to need to be decent just so that the Packers can run the ball and have any sort of success whatsoever. On the you know passing side, young receivers. Need you guys to step up, need you guys to get some separation. On the defensive side of the ball, the first note I have, adjust and mix things up. The Saints have not, by any means, been awesome on offense thus far. Their offensive line has struggled and been inconsistent, which has led to an inconsistent run game. It's also led to Derek Carr being generally jittery in the the pocket. So, Joe Barry, I beg you, Let's take advantage of that line and get some frickin' pressure. Barry did an awesome, awesome job against Chicago, not just letting his extraordinarily talented line get after it, but helping them. He ran stunts with Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark to confuse the opposing guards and then made their job of murdering Justin Fields even easier. I fully expect Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Van Ness, all those guys to have success rushing the passer, but if they aren't getting to Carr, guess what? Throw Quay on the edge and send him on a blitz. Send Devondre up the B-gap on a blitz. Have some fun, Joe. Set your pass rushers up for success, and have some fun scheming ways up to get after Derek Carr, especially if your standard rush four isn't working. Now, trust me, and this is really where that, not only mixing things up up front, but the adjusting part comes in. If the Saints find something that works, They're going to pound it. Andy Herman, he put out a tweet of a very, very simple Saints inside run. It's Jamal Williams who's injured, but they could probably run it with Condrey Miller or whoever comes back and ends up being their running back. It's Jamal Williams running for about eight yards right up the A-gap. A six-man front was presented on defense. You have two down linemen, four-man front overall, right? So two down linemen, two edge guys, and then two middle linebackers. Super, super simple. Sound familiar? Yeah. It's because we've seen that front a million times as a Packers fan, that exact same box. Six guys in the box, two down linemen, two edge, two middle linebackers. And we've probably seen a very similar run come against the Joe Barry front. And every single freaking time, it picks up eight yards. And I swear to God, if the Saints hammer something like that or they find some Taysom Hill package where they're running him on a, some sort of wildcat play and they keep picking up eight yards, Joe Barry is going to, let's just say, not be hearing the nicest things about him from my mouth. Because, actually, I have no idea whether he'll hear anything that I say. But I won't be saying nice things about Joe Barry. Because Joe did an awesome job against Chicago mixing things up against the run. Running stunts against the run too, to say, hey, you can't just run all over us. Let's do some things. Let's actually stop the run. Do something similar against the Saints. Because not only is it important to, you know, get these creative fronts going to confuse the Saints from a passing standpoint. It's important against the run too. And you didn't do much of it against Atlanta. We're going to need you to do much more of it against the Saints if they find a play that they like and are able to keep hammering it. So that's my first note. Adjust, be willing to adjust on the defensive front and mix things up. Find ways of getting pressure. And though I do think that Rashawn Gary is probably going to have a field day as is maybe Lucas Van Ness. The second major note I have on defense, come to play in the secondary. The Saints have three wide receivers that are pretty damn good. Two of them are really, really damn good. You have Michael Thomas, you have Chris Olave, and then the third, Rashid Shaheed. And that means that Green Bay's secondary is going to get tested. So, just step up. We need safeties, likely Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage. Those guys need to be on top of things, passing off routes. And hopefully... Not getting mossed, getting a ball caught on your freaking head by Mac Collins. <clears throat> Darnell Savage. On the cornerback side, Keyshawn, Rasul, Jair, let's freaking go. Jair, we're going to talk about him in a second too, but I'm going to expect him to shut down whoever he's on. It's likely going mi- to be a mix of Olave and Thomas. Whoever you're on Jair, shut them down, take them out of the game, make them a non-factor. Rasul, whoever Jair's not on, it's your job to keep that other guy at bay. Keep things in front of you. Don't get beat over the top. Rasul's such a smart player. Maybe he cues in on a tendency or two from Derek Carr, picks off a pass. You know, he's probably bound to have a bad pass at least once. So Rasul, jump on that. And then Keyshawn, whoever's lined up against you in the slot, shut down them like we know you can. Now, Keyshawn's been up and down, but the hope is that he'll come into this game, be consistent, and give the Packers a chance against a very, very good Saints receiving core. I understand the Packers are going to give up a catch or two. That's kind of the nature of the beast when you're playing Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and even Rashid Shaheed. But just give up one or two big catches, and other than that, limit plays, shut them down. We want you guys turned on. So, that's what I have for you. That's what I have for you on the offensive side. That's what I have for you on the defensive side. It takes me to players to watch. My first player to watch, it's Christian Watson. And yeah, I'm assuming he's going to play, but I'm so, so, so excited to go, to watch Christian Watson because I said it. I said New Orleans secondary, it's elite and Green Bay might not be able to pound the ball too well on the ground. So that's where Christian Watson comes in. Now, first of all, we're going to see a lot of short passes to him, screens, passes in the flat, really just quick little slants to get some guaranteed yardage, like a, like a run. We're going to see some of that. But beyond that, Watson versus Marshawn Lattimore, that's going to be a super, super, super fun matchup. To watch Which routes is Watson winning on? When's he getting targeted? How often is he winning? It's going to be a blast to see a young, ludicrously smart, ludicrously talented and fast wide receiver like Christian Watson, though relatively raw, go out and try to be a cornerback with the experience and talent of Marshawn Lattimore. It's going to be so fun to watch. I can't wait to watch Christian Watson play football. Only like four more days, right? And then my second player to watch is Jair Alexander. You guys are getting lucky. I'm, I'm not giving you, you know, my Kenny Clark go watch a guy do dirty work in the trenches pick. No, I'm giving you two skill position guys, Christian Watson, a skill position, a wide receiver, and the Jair cornerback, so guarding skill positions, at wide receiver. Go watch Jair. He is going to be matched up against a good receiver, sort of wherever he is, because it's going to be either Michael Thomas or Chris Olave. And I need Jair to shut those guys down. He struggled a little bit last week. There's no sugarcoating it. He gave up five catches on six targets. He really had no interest in run defense. So this week, let's see Jair bounce back because there's a standard for Jair. And honestly, that standard is what he did against Justin Jefferson last year in week 17. It was, I'm gonna gritty in your face because I'm shutting you down. You can't get any freaking catches on me because I'm Jair mother flipping Alexander, and if you thought you were going to come in and even come close to having a good game against me, you were mistaken, and that's the standard with Jair, and he did not, not live up to that standard last week, so I'm expecting him to come back, and I'm expecting him to be strong and shut down whoever's across from him, go out there and dominate. Jair like we know that only you can and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch so Christian Watson Jair Alexander those are my two players to watch that is what I have for you today I mean it's a lot a lot a lot of fun to just think about what this Packers offense is going to be on Sunday I mean it was so much fun watching them last week and that was without Watson now hopefully Watson's back it's going to be a blast I can't wait for Sunday I will be back on Sunday talking. All about everything that happened, previewing the offensive things that happened, defensive things that happened, but that's what I have for you again back on Sunday. Get excited for that. keep an eye on the injury report, see who's practicing Mary maybe Aaron Jones practices in the next two day next two days, but we'll see what happens until then. and my final message for you because I always leave it like this. Go Pack Go!